comes a time in your life where you realize that you might not be around anymore and it becomes uh you know it's a kind of a macabre topic to to be discussing with your partner but what if one of us passes away and that's when you decide whoa somebody better get some um insurance life insurance so that neither of us will be left struggling to pay for the mortgage if one of us dies unexpectedly. So that's exactly what happened. This young couple, uh, they're in their early 30s. They have a toddler and another child on the way. They live in Elmira. They're the pugs. They decide that they're each going to purchase term-based life insurance so that if something goes wrong, the other person is taken care of. Now, they thought that everything would be you know, would go swimmingly. They underwent a a paramedical exam, an interview to collect a medical history and a phone interview. And Mr. Pug said he disclosed the facts that he had anxiety and took medication as well as CBD oil under the supervision of his doctor. He's been receiving treatment for his anxiety disorder since his late 20s. Well, enough said there. Uh, Finally, the insurance company gets back to them. I think it's Sun Life. And they say to, to Pug's wife, yep, you're approved. His denied. He has been denied on the basis of his generalized anxiety disorder. To find out how common this is, Sylvain Tamarkin joins us. He's the injury and insurance lawyer at Sanfiru Tamarkin, and he is also host of In Your Corner. It's 948. Welcome to the program. Good to have you on. Thanks, Kelly. Good good to be on. So how common is this? It's very common, unfortunately. It's very common because, you know, at the end of the day, insurance companies are looking for profit. And so if you have somebody that applies for insurance, and it's not just life insurance, it's disability insurance, it could be home insurance, travel insurance, as soon as you start identifying certain pre-existing conditions, and, and anxiety is just one of the conditions, you can have depression and you can have a whole series of not just mental but physical types of illnesses and perhaps prior injuries, insurance companies are going to start assessing whether or not uh, your premiums are going to be higher and whether or not they even want to insure you. Because remember, they're there to make a profit for their shareholders. So unfortunately, it's very, very common. Now, he, he said that his rejection was due to his mental health condition, but they said he could reapply in six months. Have you ever heard of someone in this situation reapplying and getting covered after being denied? Uh, I have, but it's very rare. And, and, you know, when we're looking at whether or not insurance companies are even allowed to discriminate based on a disability, remember, Discriminating based on a disability is prohibited by the Human Rights Code in Ontario. But there are four insurance-related defenses, and one of them deals with a distinction that apparently is reasonable and bona fide and based on a pre-existing handicap, uh, which substantially increases the risk for insurance companies. So that's actually in the code. It's under Section 25, Sub 3, Sub A of the Human Rights Code in Ontario that gives that loophole, quote-unquote, to insurance companies. So, yes, to answer your question, I have seen people reapply and get accepted, but it's very rare in my experience. So insurers need to be able to prove that a condition such as anxiety carries a substantial increase of risk, though, according to uh, a lawyer that was asked about this right. in, in the article of the CBC that I'm reading from. Uh, she said that something like a generalized anxiety disorder, there's a very good argument to suggest that it does not substantially increase the risk. I agree. I 100% agree. I mean, who do you know? I I can tell you, I know, virtually every person I know suffers from some kind of an anxiety. Perhaps it's not diagnosed. Perhaps they're not getting treatments for it. But who in this modern age does not suffer from some form of anxiety? And so when we're talking about substantially increasing the risk, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. I I think what it means for insurance companies is it increases the risk of someone making a claim. 
Remember, insurance companies are very good at accepting premiums, but they don't like to pay out. And so, you know, when we're talking about substantially increasing the risk, what is that? How, we, how do we define that? That's not, really, that's not defined in the human rights code. Every insurance company can make that assessment and argument based on their own statistics, on their, on, you know, based on their own actuaries, uh, whatever their opinions are. So it's very difficult to fight them on that point. And here's the thing. The vast majority of people are not going to take on an insurance company mm. in, in a case such as this. They're going to move on to another insurance company and another one. And eventually, they may just give up and not get insurance, which is the worst possibility of all. Yeah, that well, that's terrible. But also, you know, the other fear is they're not going to seek help for a mental illness. Well, there are two fears. First of all, you're right. They're not going to seek help, which incidentally may backfire. Because if the insurance company finds out that, in fact, they did have anxiety, maybe there's a notation in their doctor's records from a year ago, mm-hmm. the insurance company can then take the position, well, hold on for a second. You didn't get the necessary treatments. So... Maybe you qualified, maybe there wasn't a substantial risk, but by virtue of you not getting the necessary treatments, we're now going to deny your claim. So that's one risk. But there is another risk altogether, which is that you're simply not going to go to your doctors at all. And, and, and you know, when, when the insurance company asks you about any pre-existing uh, issues, whether they're mental or physical, you may not even say anything because you're afraid that the insurance company is going to take this position, that you don't qualify. And then down the road, when you make a claim, if you make a claim, They'll look at your medical records and they'll see that, in fact, you did go to your doctor at some point. You didn't disclose that, so they're going to avoid your policy. So what you see this... people are in that position and it's just very worrisome. So what this is doing is it's also adding to the stigma of mental health. A hundred percent. And, you know, we've been, we've been fighting very hard, not just disability lawyers, but uh, mental health practitioners, psychologists, psychiatrists. You know, we've been trying to show that there shouldn't be a stigma but insurance companies, again, motivated by profit, and I don't blame them because that's just the way their legal structure is structured. You know, they are doing what they're doing, not for the sake of stigmatizing this, but for the sake of making profit. The problem is that that drives people underground. It drives them not to disclose certain conditions and not to get treatments. Right. So what is your, what's your recommendation to people that are dealing with anxiety, still want to get life insurance? How do you direct your clients? I think that you have to uh, shop. I mean, you have to. There's different insurance companies and different ones. Even when you when you get travel insurance, I just got travel insurance for my father who has pre-existing conditions. You have to shop insurance. We do have various insurance companies that offer different products. Uh, you can you can communicate with uh, or get in touch with a broker. Uh, there are insurance brokers out there. Uh, they don't work for specific insurance companies. Like for example, this this this, uh, this couple here, I think, dealt with Sun Life. Mm-hmm. Don't go to a broker that deals exclusively with Sun Life. Go to a broker, insurance broker that deals with uh, every insurance company out there, and they'll tell you what products are available. But all that said, we need to close the loophole in the human rights code that allows insurance companies. Uh, to discriminate on this basis. I want to ask you about those places that advertise as no medical life insurance. What about those? You can do that. Uh, You know, the issue is that when they say they don't require anything, maybe what they mean is they may ask you one or two questions, uh, about about your health mm-hmm. uh, before, and you may get a you know you may give a blanket answer. So, for example, they may ask you something like you know, have you ever been diagnosed for any issue that may uh, affect your health in the future? I'm just giving this as an example. I'm not saying that's what they ask. And you may say no, and that's it. And then down the road, when you make a claim and they start looking into your file, because they always do, they always ask for your doctor's records once you make a claim. They'll start looking through it, looking for any little nugget they can use and cherry pick to deny your claim. 
So you can look at those products, but again, from my standpoint, I think that the safest bet is to contact a licensed insurance broker because then you have an extra layer of, of protection, so to speak. You're going to someone that is telling you that product is good for you uh, and it's fit for you despite your pre-existing medical issues. We and guess what? If there is a problem with the insurance company, well, then the broker is at fault here. And the broker is going to have insurance that's going to be able to cover you. Interesting. When you talk about closing this loophole in, in the Ontario Human Rights uh, Code, how difficult is that going to be? It sounds like a lengthy process. Sounds like it uh, could be a few years in the making at the very least. And how do you go about changing it? And that's a good question. It's legislation. You're talking about government, appealing to government. And this is the, the Ontario Human Rights Code, so you're talking about the provincial government. And I, frankly, I don't know how much of an appetite, you know, this provincial government or any provincial government has uh, to close this loophole. Well, not uh, when you hear what uh, our premier said on Friday about mental illness. Yeah, again, very concerning. Yeah. Very concerning. And, and you know, again, the stigma is there, and it's extremely difficult to combat that. And I think that statistically... Uh, we know that the population suffers for a variety of uh, mental health illnesses uh, across the board, not just in Ontario, in every province, I think in any modern country. And, you know, when you're giving, again, not just insurance companies, but any businesses, any corporations, the ability to discriminate based on a disability and specifically mental disability, uh, mental health, mm-hmm. it's a problem. And it's a problem that I, I don't know how to shut down. I don't know how to close. I don't know how to fix. There has to be enough of a push from the population. But again, Who's organizing everyone, you know, to make right. that political push? That's the question. Savannah, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks so much for your expertise. Thank you, Kelly. My pleasure. Cheers. Savannah Markin, uh, host of In Your Corner, Saturdays at 6 p.m. if you'd like to hear more, and Sundays at 12 p.m. He's an injury and insurance lawyer at Sanfiru Tamarkin.